confusion, amplifying truth, and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right. Well, we were just talking uh, with Dr. Gina Loudon about some of this, but I want to go a little bit further into detail. Over the weekend, uh, Joe Manchin on Face the Nation was asked, are you going to endorse Joe Biden if he runs for re-election? And Manchin responded, oh, there's plenty of time for the election. The uh, questioner said uh, he's the leader of your party. Manchin said, no, the bottom line is let's see who's involved. That doesn't sound like uh, the the base is super united around Joe Biden's uh, attempted um, reelection. Is this because he wants to Manchin himself wants to run for president? Uh, A a moderate uh, middle ground Democrat from a largely red state. It'd be interesting to see if he entered the race, how that would impact at least the Democratic primary. I don't think it stands a chance against a Republican, but let's talk about it. Daniel Alvarez is with us. She is the national spokesperson for the Republican National Committee, and she joins us uh, from her home today. Uh, Daniel, thank you for being here. Uh, is Joe Manchin, are Joe Manchin's comments seen as a, sh- a shot across Joe Biden's bow? I think that the tagline Democrats in disarray exists for a reason. Um, Joe Manchin was pretty clear. He is not ready to support Joe Biden. Um, and Joe Biden should absolutely take that as shots across the bow. I think it shows how weak uh, Biden's position is within his own party. Not only the comments coming from Manchin, but he already has uh, an announced candidate against him. Uh, Marianne Williamson, we know that the DNC voted to change their primary calendar to move South Carolina ahead because it was the first state to give Joe Biden a win during um, the previous primary. So I think it's really clear Joe Biden is a weak president, um, not only within his own party, but certainly as a result of the devastation he's caused the American people. I don't think that there's a lot of disagreement with anything that you just said, Danielle, but I guess the question kind of comes down to a couple of big things in my mind. If Republicans intend to win, will there have been enough groundwork laid in states like Pennsylvania, like Georgia, like Nevada, like Arizona, that still seem to have uh, not taken care of their business to straighten out their election integrity issues from 2020. Um, I think that a lot of people thought, were hopeful at least, by the 2022 midterms that uh, those things would be cared for. Some states did a good job. Wisconsin is in much better shape than it was prior. But that's only one of the six states that were involved, and there seems to be... Uh, I don't know, a willingness on some people's parts to say, well, if the rules are the way they were then, we'll just do the same thing that we did then. I think I really appreciate that you brought up Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is a great example of, you know, how things went right on the election integrity front, how, you know, laws changed, how the infrastructure and operation um really worked for Republicans. And there is a lot more work to do. And the RNC is not taking their foot off the gas, you know. Uh, Most people are not aware that the Republican National Committee could not do election integrity or what used to be called election uh, day operations. Now we call them election integrity operations. For 40 years, we were barred by a consent decree. And so last cycle was the first election cycle that we participated and ran the election integrity operation from soup to nuts. And so we saw great improvements in some states. Right. You know, we saw states like Florida and Georgia and Texas. Um, And and across the country change and tighten their laws to help um, secure secure the vote. Um, And then we also had a massive ground game operation where we helped recruit 
poll watchers and poll workers and helped train and deploy uh, poll watchers across the country. And again, that was kind of like the 1.0 version of election integrity. We know that there are tweaks that we have that have to be made um, in this next iteration of election integrity. But the RNC is is not taking their foot off the gas because we know that it's important that everyone has to feel secure as they cast their ballots. And at the same time, we also want to make sure that, you know, in every state, we understand the rules of the game and that we're playing by those rules of the game. So, for example, in states like California, where ballot harvesting is legal, we might be opposed to ballot harvesting. But if that's the name of the game in California, how can we be the best at that? And we were successful last cycle when we partnered uh, with the California GOP um, to make sure that we were collecting ballots in churches and make sure that we were yeah. playing by the rules of the game and following the law in our favor. And it well, obviously, the, the uh, obviously the hillside in California is very steep, but there were gains and yeah. there were Republican seats taken in Congress that I think surprised some people. And I know that Rick Grinnell and his group have been out there just, you know, night and day slaving away, trying to get uh, just Republicans registered that that you know, are there, but they just they haven't voted in a few cycles. And, you know, we've got to overcome the mental side of it. You know, we got to believe we can win. But if we don't have the infrastructure in place to support that win, uh, that's going to be problematic as well. So I'm glad to hear of the progress on all those fronts. Uh, Danielle, we're out of time, but please come back and see us again. Uh, Danielle Alvarez of the uh, GOP, uh, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back from New York. Don't go away.